This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 248. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined on this episode this day by Mr. Producer and Co-Host-in-Chief, Matthew Marister. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic, and apparently everybody on Facebook land today is doing great, too. A lot of a lot of activity. <laughs> Kids back in school, I guess everybody has some free time, and they're all happy <laughs> or something. I don't know. But... Yeah, yeah. My kids went back to school today. It was awesome for a few hours. The house was yeah. quiet. I couldn't it believe it. It was eerily quiet in my house. It was weird. <laughs> I was like, this is really weird. I'm trying. I'm working, and I'm almost like, this shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be this quiet. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Cool. Today's episode is called Draw Fast or Draw Slow. What's the idea behind this? Well, do we need to be able to draw quickly? Or are there times where we need to be concerned about drawing maybe a little slower? I don't know. There's an interesting story in the news in, in the recent, I think it was two days ago is when this happened. Uh, and we'll tell you the whole story. We'll break it all down. But basically, a dude shot his stepson accidentally. And uh, was it something that could have been avoided? I think so. What are some lessons to be learned from that situation? I think there are several. Um, I think there's even going to be some tie-ins with our now famous Florida parking space shooter. (laughs) So, yeah, good stuff. Coming right your way. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. Recently, we announced that we had partnered up with the USCCA to secure for USCCA members who are also members of Guardian Nation to receive 15% off your USCCA membership just by being a member of Guardian Nation. Get You don't have to do anything else, except there is a little form you got to go fill out, and the link is provided in the show notes. In fact, I can give it on the air too. If you're already a Guardian Nation member, you want to go to concealedcarry.com forward slash USCCA15, standing for 15% off. ConcealedCarry.com forward slash USCCA15 if you're already a member of Guardian Nation, and that will give you all the instructions you need to get your 15% discount. But if you're not a Guardian Nation member, you should check it out. Go check it out at GuardianNation.com. Not only this 15% discount, which is like getting two months free of Guardian Nation, the membership is getting better all the time and comes with lots of great benefits, such as the quarterly box that we ship out each month or each quarter. <laughs> I've been struggling with this recently, getting mixed up with talking about shipping the, these every month versus every quarter. It's every quarter. It's always every quarter. Uh, we ship them in, what, February, May, August, and November. That's when those boxes go out. They just shipped like yesterday, which is really exciting. For uh, those of you that to, to qualify, you got to be a member for at least three months if you're paying monthly or you need to be a quarterly or annual member. And that will make sure that you qualify to receive the box each quarter. We guarantee you're going to get all of your membership dues back, at least in the form of great quality gear and product. On top of that, all the other great benefits, 10% off everything in our store, members only uh, access to training videos, monthly broadcasts with special guests. Our net, We now have a Facebook group. 
Yes, a Facebook group just for Guardian Nation members. Uh, if you're not a member of that group, there was an email that went out explaining how to join that group. But if you missed it, and if you don't know how, shoot us an email at podcast at concealedcarry.com. We'll help you out with that. So you can get uh, join that group. And it's getting bigger and becoming more active every day. And it's, it's really fun to see. Many of you listening probably are already in there. But uh, there's well over a thousand of you Guardian Nation members now. And we don't, I think we might have about a hundred Guardian Nation member Facebook group member uh, members. So anyway, guys, uh, take advantage of Guardian Nation. Go to guardiannation.com to learn more. So with that, <clears throat> Matthew, I'm going to cut to the chase, buddy. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. So... I have this news story, and for those participating live with us today, I'm going to drop this link in uh, the chat here, so you guys can go and check this out if you'd like as well. Um, although, if you're on a mobile device, it's kind of difficult, right? Because if you go to this link, you'll 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 not be listening to us anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the link. Okay, so this story goes: two days ago. There was this big meteor shower. I remember hearing about this a couple different places. I had a friend, actually, who's a photographer that spent a good deal of time into the wee hours of the morning so he could try to capture these awesome photos of these meteors, right? So this happened, my understanding is this was in Jefferson County, Texas, I believe is where this was. I don't know where that is exactly. Uh, Apparently, it's very remote. Uh, But... What happened here is it's an accidental shooting of a boy um, that was done by his stepfather. All right. Deputies are investigating after a 12-year-old boy was shot by his stepfather in what was described as an accidental shooting Monday night. The boy and his stepfather had been watching the Perseid meteor shower from a remote area in Nome near Highway 90 and Highway 326 when the shooting happened, according to a release from the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. While the two were walking back to their vehicle, the stepfather told deputies that he heard something which he thought might be an animal running up behind him, according to the release. The stepfather, who was carrying a pistol, pulled it and fired and immediately realized he had shot his stepson, the release said. Deputies met the man and his stepson who was shot in the right forearm at a convenience store on Highway 90, A deputy placed a trauma bandage on the boy who was bleeding heavily, and when they called for EMS, they were informed that the nearest ambulance was in Rose City. The deputies then requested permission to transport the boy to the hospital in their patrol car because they felt that the delay in an ambulance arriving could put the boy in further jeopardy, according to the release. Apparently, they don't have helicopters out there either. I don't know. Yeah, so this is a tragic story. And and this will probably be also featured in, although I doubt we'll take as much time to talk about it now, but this will probably be featured in our news uh, stories next week for next week's news episode of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, basically you have a dude that after they watch this meteor shower, he and his son, they're walking back to the vehicle and he hears something running up behind him. He thinks it's a, an animal or something and he turns and draws and shoots and wounds his 12-year-old stepson. Hmm. So what do you think about that, Matthew? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody's thinking like, obviously, it's a terrible incident. And 
my, my whole thing is we, we kind of go back to this and it's almost, it's almost too simplistic to, to like say, but all right. So identify your target and, and that's really pretty simple to do. That's why we don't shoot at noises. And so, you know, people might say, oh, this is, this is just one of those rare occurrences, right? Like this hardly ever happens, but no, it, it happens not all the, I don't want to say all the time, but it does happen. And it normally happens inside the home where, you know, somebody shoots their, their, son or daughter, a teenager that got home late or snuck back in the house and they hear something or they shoot their spouse um, it, because they hear something, they don't identify their target and then they shoot at a noise or you know an apparition or a shadow or something like that instead of identifying it. And, and I, I, you know, and I always hear the argument against that is like, well, you know, when these things happen, you don't have time to like, yell out, you know, who is it or, or challenge the person to find out who they are. But I mean, why, why don't you, you know, like, especially in this situation, um, he hears something running up to him, even if it is like a wild animal. All right. Like I, I would, I would hope that you'd be able to identify what you're shooting at. I mean, how do you shoot at something if you haven't identified it? Like you're just shooting in the general area at that point. Right. Yeah. Like it, that's my mentality. Like if, if I haven't identified what I'm shooting at, how could I shoot at it? I, in that situation, I'm just shooting at a noise. Um, and in this case, that noise is his steps, steps on. Right. And so in contextually, wouldn't you, you know, if you're out in this remote area with your stepson and you hear a noise, wouldn't the first thing you would do is look around and see if I see my stepson around me. You know what I mean? Like if you think it's an animal, wouldn't you, look to see if it's charging at your son as well. Like that'd be, I mean, that'd be my first thing, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it bothered me. So, and I think, you know, if we dive into it a little deeper, it kind of comes in with a little bit of our institutionalized, at least in my mind, at least institutionalized training as far as how we respond on the range and how we draw and present the gun and fire shots. Um, so yeah. I think there's a training element to this, not just a safety element, but I think it's, there's a training element as well. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I, I came across a story because I, I saw, uh, you know, someone posted online and there was quite a thread of comments and where a lot of the comments were leading what was kind of something along this lines. They would say like, this is why I don't train to, you know, be racing the clock to draw and fire a shot. Um, that I teach a slow draw, for instance. I know, and I know instructors that that teach this. They say, and I, I, now one guy in particular, he'll tell you straight up and down, I teach a slow draw, and I'm always like, what does that mean exactly, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that, Matthew. Like, I teach why a slow you, draw. Like, yeah, why would why, you why intentionally would you wanna... slow something down? Right, right, right. So, um, now, wh- why they were talking about this was, well, because apparently this man was so fast, like lightning quick at drawing this gun, that he didn't have the, the chance or the time to see what he was actually going to shoot before he was pulling the trigger. Okay. Now, I, I kind of get that to a degree as far as, um, you know, 
and I'm, I don't know if I say if guilty is the right word. I'm guilty of this, I guess, you know, as far as I spend a good deal of time practicing my draw stroke and practicing to put rounds on target quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I feel like that you can certainly learn and know how to draw quickly and intentionally slow down something if you need to. But if you don't ever learn how to do that, you, you, you'll always be slow, but you can never be fast, right? It, it only goes one way. What I'd like to point out about this story, though, is that this story has nothing to do with draw speed. Uh, but we're, although we're going to spend some time talking about this idea of, you know, your draw stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story in particular, this is just, this just brought up this idea, okay? Um the story in particular has nothing to do with it because we we know nothing from reading this news story how fast this guy was at drawing. <laughs> and, and and just reading it, let me re-quote this, okay? What did he describe to deputies? He said, he told deputies that he heard something which he thought might be an animal running up behind him. He pulled his out his pistol out and fired and immediately realized he had shot his stepson. There's nothing there that says... He had a sub one second draw stroke. Okay, <laughs> for all we know, it could have taken him three seconds to get that gun out and pull the trigger. The problem with this situation is that he shot at a noise, mm-hmm. right? And you've already covered that uh, pretty well. But he heard a noise and he shot at it. Okay, before he could before he could engage his brain to, you know, hearing is just one of our five senses, right? So you hear something, you look, you then identify, and you go, oh, okay, here's what I got to do. Now, I know some people out there would say, and you just, you kind of touched on this, Matthew. Well, in some of these situations, you just don't have the, you don't, you just don't have the time. It just happens so quickly. You just got to, you just got to react. Um, okay. I, I would think of those situations and it's, it's going to be an obvious situation. It's going to be something that you're, you're, you're getting assaulted, right? You know, you're being assaulted. You know, who's assaulting you. You already know that this is not your son, or it may be an animal. You know, that this is a person trying to kill you, kill you. Right. So you respond and, and, and it goes from your kind of intent to, to squeeze that trigger is probably from the time you start drawing, you're like, I, I'm being assaulted. I'm being stabbed. It's probably not going to change in the half second that I get from out of my holster to right here, right? So I'm probably squeezing as soon as I come out of the holster and my gun's on target. But if you don't have that target identified and you don't know exactly that this is a threat that needs to be shot, right? Then you have to, at some point, determine that before you squeeze the trigger, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so so it's not always... We it, the, the the idea that this guy draws drew so fast and that he had no time to to identify what it was and squeeze the trigger because his you know because his draw was so so fast I means to me that his intention was to shoot regardless of what he saw is once he decided I'm going to draw my firearm his intention was to shoot it didn't matter because he he wasn't going to identify the target he was going to spin and shoot at whatever whatever he heard. Right. 
Um, which, yeah, there's probably times like that. You're getting stabbed in the back. Yeah, you're probably going to turn around and shoot whatever's stabbing you, but you're not going to shoot at whatever a noise that you hear. Uh, it's just, it, it's just, it's yep. a, it's a, it's a misunderstanding of like the the process of why you use deadly force and the process that should be going through your brain as you analyze the situation and determine, am I legally or morally justified? And can I tactically take this shot? Like all those things go through your head prior to spinning, pulling the trigger. It's not, I hear something. I think I'm in danger. I shoot. It, it's just, it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Jack here comments, it's a fishy, fishy situation. I'm not sure he is being truthful with his statements to the police. I, I you know, I, I hear you there, Jack. I, I'm not, I have no reason to believe he's not being truthful with his statements. Um, be, you know, I could see this happening because there's many other instances where this happens. The, the, it, the fact is that sometimes people draw their guns or they pull their guns out and they pull the trigger before they've identified what it is they're shooting. All right. We just had recently here in Castle Rock, Colorado. That is about a half an hour south and east of where I live here. A man shot his wife accidentally in the home. It was like 1030 or something at night. And he thought it was an intruder. So he shot her. Right, it's it's a similar situation. You're pulling the trigger before you actually look and I and identify and see what it is you're shooting. Um, we had a similar situation not here, but somewhere I I think maybe it was in K- Kentucky or Tennessee. This is a couple like I know we talked about it on the podcast probably 200 episodes ago, um, and it was a dude that shot his wife in the ear. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. he he just grazed her and, and nicked her ear. Um, similar situation, you know, and he, I think in that one he described like a dark figure over his bed. So he grabbed the gun and, and shot. Well, once again, like you're shooting at a shadow or a sound. And Jacob, he's talked about this before, you know, uh, sights, sounds, uh, or not sights, uh, sounds, shadows. I can't remember. What the, there's like three or four things that he talks about. Like he calls it the triple S and I think we even come up with a quadruple S, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, t- type sort of thing. But the point is people shooting at things that they don't know what they are exactly. They have not yet seen with their eyes and recognize what it is that they're seeing and made the decision then that that's something that they, that they need to respond to as far as the threat goes. Anita comments, what we don't know is if there was a history of an aggressive wild animal in the area that he was aware of, hence the presence of the gun. Um, but that wouldn't account for why the boy was out of his range of vision if that were the case. Um, yeah, uh, who knows if there was any sort of history of an aggressive wild animal in the area, regardless, I carry my gun everywhere I go. So, you know, that, that would have, you know, this guy could just be in that category as well, but she makes a good point as far as knowing, you know, where your family members are right now that's, that's difficult to do. I've got five kids and a wife to keep track of. Uh, that can be challenging sometimes to know where everybody's at, but it's important to do. And we got to make an effort to do that. It's, it's, we know from this story they they just got done watching the meteor shower. So it's late, it's dark. Um, this guy's out there, uh, I guess, alone with his stepson. It doesn't say there was any other family members present. And so it, you know, in a situation like that, like, yeah, you've got to know where your family member is. Uh, where it's late and it's dark and you're somewhere maybe you're not familiar with or that you don't frequently go to. Um, so you got to keep track of those people. 
Um, yeah. I, I so got, I got something that just sure. popped in my head and I'm not, I don't want to derail this, but yep. imagine this, like, as you were talking and, and like, we're, we're uh, reading some of the comments, this, and especially the one, um, that Jack said about it's a fishy situation. Now imagine this, imagine it's a, the guy and his wife, he shoots his wife and the wife doesn't survive. Now what I bet if we're being honest, I bet everybody would say something's definitely fishy. This guy took his wife out there and killed her, right? Like, like how did he mistaken mistake his wife for a wild animal? He took her out to this wild, this area and he ended up shooting her. But because as a child, we're, we're kind of like, okay, there's, there's no way that he would intentionally have done this. And I'm not saying that he did. I'm just saying like, sometimes the context of like who's involved can change I, I I bet if it was his wife, nobody would be talking about like draw draw speed and things like that. Um, I don't think. I think they would have been like this dude's totally murdered his wife. But maybe that's just my cynical nature. I don't know. <laughs> Chris, your comments hashtag flashlight. Yeah, we haven't even touched on that yet. Um, it it kind of sounds like he. I just the way I read this story, it sounds like he literally heard this. And turned and drew and and basically went right into firing. I don't know that. I mean, that's that's a great point. Like he didn't take the time, even if he had the time, to grab a light. Or well, I mean, he could have had a weapon mounted light, but it's unlikely because not that many CCWers have a weapon mounted light. Um, but he didn't even take the time to grab a light and shine so he could identify what he was about to shoot. Um, Oh, Charlie says sounds, shadows, and silhouettes. You reminded me, shapes, sounds, and shadows. I think is was what is Jacob's uh, triple S disease. You shoot, at, you shoot at a shape, a sound, or a shadow. Yeah, and those are all things that are that we can't identify yet, and so we need to. We we don't shoot at those things: shapes, sounds, and shadows. So, um, oh, and Anita comes back with this way. The argument could be more easily made that the child is more the size of a wild animal than his wife would be, Matthew. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, but totally. still, it comes down to this, guys. Here's, here's a bigger lesson to take away from this. We, as CCWers, this is the great responsibility we have. We only use the gun defensively. We only use defensively. I know that that's easy to say and that you hear that and you're like, well, yeah, duh. Like we know that already, but here's the reality because we, we encounter this all the time in the podcast with all the stories that we find that we share on the podcast where people shoot a little too quickly or a little early or they shoot somebody they're not supposed to, uh, whatever it is. <clears throat> if you talk to that person, I'll bet you they would say, well, I was scared that this, that this, whatever it would be might happen. Okay, I didn't know whether that guy had a weapon on him or not, but 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 in case he did, because of the way he was acting or the way he moved his hand or whatever, I thought that he might have a weapon, and if I took the time to wait for him to make his actions or intentions obviously known, I'd be dead. Right? Well, you don't. We don't get to make that call. Um, we don't shoot somebody because we think they might have a weapon. We don't shoot something because we think it's a threat. We don't shoot something because we're preemptively jumping the gun because if we wait half a second longer, that it, that might end up being the difference and, it, and we die instead. I know we don't know, but none of us want to die here. But the fact is that we are defensive concealed carriers. 
right? And so what that means is, whether it's a bad guy or a wild animal, they always get the first punch. They always get the first punch. We are always on our back foot, figuratively speaking. We are always having to wait and then react to whatever is done to us. That's the definition of defense, right? And we got to get we got to make that clear. We got to get that through our heads. I know it sounds simple on the surface, but we see far too often CCWers that do this very thing that shoot and pull the trigger before they've evaluated the situation and clearly could identify and articulate the threat that they are trying to stop. Right? And it can't be a it well it might have been or I think this. No, it has to be you knew that this was a threat, and here's why. That's the big takeaway from this. So let's shift. Actually, let me link this to the Florida shooting. Okay, I told you we were in touch on that, Matthew, and listeners. <clears throat> so we have this guy down there, right? He pulls his gun out when he gets shoved down to the ground. I'm not going to debate whether what he did was right or wrong, whether the guy shoving was right or wrong. That's not what I'm going to debate here. What I'm going to point out is that I believe he he was pre-programmed that as soon as he drew the gun, he was compelled to pull the trigger. And by compelled, I mean it was an automatic, you know, kind of an almost, like before, before the brain could catch up with what the body was doing, and really what it is, we're talking about two different sides of our brain, right? The conscious brain and the subconscious brain. Muscle memory are things that occur in the subconscious. Conscious is the thinking part that's going on right now that we're that we're looking, observing, orienting, bringing that into context, deciding what to do and then and then following through on that. I believe that guy in Florida over that parking space that once the gun was drawn, subconsciously he was pre-programmed to pull that trigger. And we've talked about it before on the podcast, but the act of drawing that gun and the act of pulling the trigger has to be two separate and distinct decisions, right? It can be, it can all happen just like this. It can happen automatically, all one fluid thing. We practice that on the range. Sure, we do that. That's a big thing of our Guardian, Guardian Essentials course, right? Is because we have a lot of students come in, and when they come in, they're drawing and placing that first round on target in like two seconds or a second and three quarters, and we want to see that at least get under a second and a half. And if we can see them getting even faster, awesome. But just because we draw the gun, does we do need to be careful and mindful of not making it an automatic subconscious thing where the gun comes out and we immediately go to pressing the trigger. That has to, We have to separate that. One of the ways that we deal with this in our Guardian Essentials course, Matthew, you know this, is that we do some force-on-force scenarios with Airsoft at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And we always set up a scenario where the expectation is that the participant, the good guy in the scenario, is is not supposed to shoot, right? And that's a test. And it's, it's a big... You know, part of the day, it's it's kind of a big paradigm shift that, hey, all day long we've been working on using this gun effectively and quickly and getting it out of the holster fast and all this stuff, but we still have to turn on the thinking brain and we have to be figuring out what's going on in our world and in our context and make the right decision based on what we see and, and what the actual threat is or, or isn't. 
And so we set up a scenario where the goal is, it's not to trick the student necessarily into failing. We don't want to, we don't, we're not trying to force anybody to fail, but we are giving them the opportunity to use that, that conscious part of the brain to make a decision about a scenario. And the big lesson that is taken away from that, I'm giving away all the beans on this, uh, Matthew. (laughs) The big lesson to take away from that is that we don't automatically draw and pull the trigger. There's, you know, And like, not to, not to say like, I'm just going to rehash real quick, not to say, because I don't want anybody to miss the point that you're making is not to say that there isn't an application or a time that you would determine, Hey, by the time I get my gun out of the holster and orient towards the, towards the threat, I'm squeezing the trigger because the threat is imminent. The threat is immediate. The threat is, you know, actually taking place or, or the assault is taking place. And I've identified what is causing the threat. So at that point, like I said, the split second from here to here, that assault is probably going to continue. So there is an application for that sub second, you know, draw and shot to target. Absolutely. But it's not every application. And sometimes, you know, through our training, we think that it's, it's only like, if I determine that I need my gun, it means I need to shoot and I, and that's it. And you go into like this autopilot of like, I'm not determining what the threat is, or if it is even still a threat, or if I misunderstood what was happening, I'm just going to shoot regardless. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, like we talk a lot about training and, and everybody talks about training and, and so, you know, I read a study a while back that said, you know, a lot of the people that actually survive these shootings, like the grandmas and, and, the, and the moms and, 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 and some of the dads and stuff that, that end up, you know, shooting and, and saving their, their, their loved ones' lives as a, the assault, you know, the, the intruder breaks into their home. They have a minimal training, like very minimal training because the technical you know, technically speaking, picking up the gun, because most of these guys, people retrieve the gun, picking up the gun, aiming it and squeezing the trigger at a target at like 10 feet is, doesn't take a tremendous amount of skill, right? It's, it's, it's not that intensive, but the analysis that goes into how am I going to properly respond to this threat at the mo- at the safest the safest way, the most efficient way without placing other people in harm's way. How do I, how am I evaluating this? That comes from force on force training. It comes from, you know, going to a class where they say, where they, where they don't just teach you like quick draw. They say, they, they teach you the context of when you would be doing, when you would use these techniques. And that I think is important in an aspect that we kind of overlook in, in the field, as far as like the mental component of of training or the mental component of self-defense like we're all on the technical how do i squeeze the trigger how do i grip the gun how do i get shots on target and it's all important but that's that's only you know the very end of the end of the scenario right like everything that builds up like your situational awareness how you carry yourself how do you carry your firearm you know like how do you draw all, all that stuff you know, as you would identify the threat and, and determine, is this still a threat? Is, what, what type of force, you know, should I be using or can I escape? What, what is my best uh, uh, alternative? I think those things we miss 
uh, as in general in the field. Um, and people don't get that type of training because yeah. it's not as, it's not as fun, you know, or yep. it, it is fun if you do it right, but it's not as like glamorous. So you don't see like, yep. you know, Instagram pictures of people sitting there thinking like, Hmm, what a scenario <laughs> that like, right. You see what, a, you know, Instagram videos of people shooting and it's cool and they shoot quick and it's awesome. But yep. you know, it's so much, it's just as important to think about like what a scenario is as you're walking down the street, as you're in the store, as you're with your family. And, and those things are going to help you just as much, I believe, as the technical aspect of pulling the trigger. Yep. Good thoughts, man. So let's talk real quick, um, getting close to where I'm going to be hitting my stop and we'll have to start wrapping it up. But let's talk real quick about this idea of drawing fast versus drawing slow and you know why we would use one or the other, all right? So I think by the nature of me stating what I just said, I think it makes it apparent that whether you draw fast or draw slow is based on context, mm-hmm. right? It's based on the situation that you are within and you got to decide, you know, how do I solve this situation? I don't think we need to really define that for drawing fast and getting shots on target quickly is an already occurring assault uh, uh, or, you know, attempted murder or whatever of you. Okay, you got a threat that is very much in your face or that you you are already aware of um, and they are already doing something or are about to do something, meaning that they've got a knife in their hand, they've got a gun in their hand, you see them coming, you know that you're the, the, the intended target and that's a situation perhaps where you've got to draw and get those rounds on target quickly right? That's that's a given. Like, we get that. Let's talk about the idea of drawing slow, right? So why would you... And, and, and let's try to define that. I think drawing fast is, well, we, we want to be probably... You know, it, this is a crap just hit the fan scenario, and you are trying to execute the, the world's fastest draw ever, right? <laughs> drawing slow, what is that? What, what do you think? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, and I've never, like you said that, you know, of a specific instructor who says that, and, and, and I don't know of that, but like, and I've never heard his reasoning behind it, but here's my, what I would think. Uh, A lot of times I hear, um, you know, uh, smooth is smooth is fast or slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Right. And like, it's kind of a contextual or conceptual thing more than a physical thing. So like, obviously I, I can't think of a reason why you would purposely slow your, your draw stroke down unless you are doing it like a covert draw. Like you're sitting at a table, you want to draw your firearm without creating a lot of, you know, attention or you're, you know, for, for some reason you're drawing your, your firearm covertly. I can understand a slow draw, but I don't think that that's what he's talking about as far as slow draw. I think from what you were saying, more of he's saying slow draw so you can, you know, make sure you identify your threat. Well, I, that I that was that was part of what he was trying to infer. I think he teaches slow draw, and and because this is his thinking, that most encounters that he apparently is aware of, and this there's there's probably some truth to this, is 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 a situation where the CCWer. Uh, should use more like a covert draw. All right. Okay. Now, if you watch active self-protection, Mr. John Correa, you'll, you'll know this is something he talks about quite a bit. Um, you'll see a lot of videos that he shares where, you know, a lot of times they're armed robberies. That's probably the number one type of video that he shares on his channel because most of what he gets comes from surveillance video, right? 
And so a lot of those are in the context of they're on the street or they're in a convenience store or something like that. And the one that I that comes to mind very clearly right now as we're talking about this is a, is one where a off-duty cop, and this is in Brazil, and an off-duty cop is at an ATM trying to pull out some cash. And there's another person there and then a, a, a third person, the bad guy. Actually, I think there was two come up behind. They've got guns. Uh, they're basically trying to rob these people as they're at the ATM, right? So the cop actually sort of sidesteps as he kind of turns to address these guys and kind of puts the 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 second individual sort of between him and them and he blades his body in such a way that he then goes for his gun but he does this all very smoothly and naturally and and fairly slowly as far as a draw goes and in that kind of context that makes a lot of sense right um, because a fast movement might cue them into what you're trying to do. Um, but he just is very sly about it, very calm, cool, and collected. And the gun gets gets out, and he actually holds it there down by the side um, for j- just a second, right? And then comes out. And here's the beautiful thing with that, right? When it's time to present that gun, you're going to go, you know, full on 100%. Because at that point, there's no reason to go slow, Right. But, you know, one advantage is having that gun already drawn, having it down by your side, you know, you can make sure that everything is good, you know, you got the right grip and everything, and then that thing can come out just, just lickety split. And so I think that's kind of where some people um, will say, hey, you know, you really don't need this lightning quick draw all the time, that for a lot of situations, you want a more of a concealed draw. There's definitely something to that, but here's the thing. I, I think short of understanding this context piece of it, understanding that, you know, these are the different scenarios that might play out in the world around me. That's a, that's what, that's really, I mean, I don't know how you practice the slow draw or this concealed draw. I mean, I guess you could practice the concealed draw as far as like different techniques for getting your hand underneath your shirt, nice and, you know, nice and slow, getting a grip on the gun, you know, and then coming out or whatever, like, okay, go ahead and practice it. Um, it's something that I think if you're already very comfortable using the gun effectively and getting it out quickly, you probably don't need to spend a lot of time practicing to do this slow. It's just more, it's this, it's the conscious brain side of things that you got to understand. Okay. The situation I'm in, I need, I need a distraction. I need to buy a little bit of time. I need to look for an opportunity where I can, you know, they have the drop on me. I'm looking for the opportunity now where I can flip that around and surprise them. And that's that's what it's all about. Element surprise is huge in a lot of situations like that because they won't see it coming. And next thing you know, you've put four or five rounds in their face um, and, and before they even know what's what's going on, right? So, oh, go ahead. I, no, I totally, like, I think you hit it right on the head when you, you know, it's not necessarily practicing a slow draw. It's practicing the, the context of how do I get to my gun and what kind of distractions could I use or or what would be the best you know, tactic in this scenario, like you mentioned the one where he blades his, his body. There's another great one where, um, he, there, there's a, a robber. He's, there's a group of people. I think they're waiting in line at an ATM. He hold he, he sticks a gun in this one guy's face. He takes off all his, like his watch or his, his wallet and everything. And he puts it on the ground, drops it on the ground. He's like, Hey dude, here's, here's everything I have drops it on the ground. Soon as the guy bends over, 
He's still got the gun, but as soon as he bends over and looks down to pick up the stuff, he comes out with his with his firearm and and, and drops you know the bad guy. So it's it's like yep. those types of things come from training or come from you know a tactical mindset of, of understanding. Uh, the tactical side of things. I'm not, when I say tactical, I'm not talking about like five eleven pants and outside the waistband holsters and Molly gear and all. I'm, I'm just talking about the tactical uh, mindset of how am I going to survive this situation yep. and, and not always with the quickest draw. It may be, but yep. it's not always. And you have to be able to, to think on your feet in those situations. And it comes from really training in what is scenarios. Yeah. Um, and, and so I come think, and take a class from us and, and do some of these, uh, you know, force on force scenarios. It, it you learn a lot. Those, those force on force are invaluable, really. Yep, yep for sure. Um, really good thoughts, Matthew. Uh, I, I want to make sure I get this comment from Anita out. She says, I've met so many people with permits who seem afraid to use their voice. A commanding voice loudly demanding the offender drop their weapon as you hold yours. With your finger on the trigger, ready to fire, may prevent the loss of life. Uh, so about using your voice. Uh, we're actually going to have an episode mm, coming up here, and we, we have it planned out. We'll, we'll probably do this. It's going to be in a few episodes. But we have a, a planned episode where we are going to talk about this very thing, about um, commands and things that you need to be prepared to say uh, in a deadly you know, force encounter, a DGU, whatever, okay? Both during the event and also in the aftermath, all right, as far as dealing with police, uh, dispatch, 911, all that stuff, okay? So really good thoughts, Anita. Um, that's definitely you know, huge. I mean, using a, a, a powerful, firm, commanding voice uh, is, is, is very key. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to work, and there's some situations where it's not what you're what you need, but it is another tool uh, that you should understand and be ready to use when when you when you can. All right, so it's time to start winding it down. I know we could probably go on more about this, and you know maybe maybe we'll uh, touch on a little bit more on. Tuesday of next week, because I I still think we'll, we'll go ahead and, even though we talked about it today, I think we'll still talk about this story again on Tuesday. And if you've got any more thoughts between now and then, Matthew and, and or I, uh, let's uh, you know talk about it a little bit more and um, see see where else the, the, this leads us in the discussion. Okay, so this is good stuff. All right. So a couple key takeaways from today's episode uh, would be what? We are always on the defense, never offense, right? That's number one. Number two, separate, right? The sub, you know, make sure that we understand that things like drawing the gun, whatever, you know, that might happen subconsciously, but the act of pulling that trigger needs to be a conscious decision. And it's based on a recognized and identified threat. Number three would be context. Understand context, understand different situations, and that we use the appropriate tool or technique based on that situation we find ourselves in, all right? Whether that means we got to draw quickly right now or draw a little bit more slowly, covertly, whatever that is. Either way, it, he, it certainly is not a bad... What I, what I see far more of is shooters that aren't quite to that level of proficiency yet that I would say that they are ready to go as far as getting that gun out quickly and efficiently in the event that they needed to do so um, it, you know, we see that time and time and time again. Now they might, they go through a weekend course with us and they're going to be 10 times better, 20 times, maybe a hundred times better from day one to day three. Um, but still there's a lot of work to be done. Well, Matthew, 
Real quick, because it's been a while and we keep forgetting about this because we get distracted by other things or podcasts go long and I am out of time, but what is a pick of the week for you this week, good sir? And I've got one ready to go, so I will talk about mine while you take a second and talk about yours, all right? All right. So my pick this week is the SBA3 from SB Tactical Arm Brace, okay? Yes, this is a brace for an AR pistol. I love this thing. It is a five position adjustable arm brace for a AR pistol. And it is awesome. It's off the hook. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> so I just added that to my AR pistol. Actually, whoa, hey, I'm hitting stuff. I uh, built this AR pistol a while ago, but I rebuilt it to an, onto a new lower, which this is the concealedcarry.com branded lower that we did as a special um, uh, Black Friday sale only last year. So uh, finally got that built out and I used the SBA3 arm brace from SB Tactical and I recommend. You can find those at Palmetto State Armory in case you're wondering. What's your cool. pick, dude? Uh, I am going, because it's probably in my hand, most of the day is this dirt <laughs> training pistol. I just can't, I can't tell. That's the, uh, the pocket list. pistol one. Yeah. Yeah. The P zero one, 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 three. Just call it the pocket pistol, buddy. Pocket pistol. It's like the size of a 43 <laughs> Your shields and all that stuff. But like, I just can't emphasize how much like having, um, even though it's not the same exact grip, alignment and everything um feel as you, you know you, the gun you probably carry um being able to to work on you know sight alignment and sight picture and trigger squeeze with these with the laser it has a take-up laser that comes on as you start your squeeze and then it, as the shot breaks you know the actual uh, another laser comes out so you can see where you'd be impacting but it's just such an awesome tool and there's other ones out there but i really like this one because the weight is really really consistent as far as like how it feels compared to a to a real firearm uh the trigger it's, it's not a, a terrible trigger it's not exactly like a you know your your standard trigger but it's close enough where you can really start working on that just keeping both eyes open and 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 seeing your your sights over over top of you know your light switch which normally is my my uh target on the wall and i you know dry fire is always good with the actual gun used but instead of sometimes being able to download and do all that stuff and uh clear out the whole house and stuff i can use this and it's just it's an awesome tool it's really cool yeah awesome dude no that's a great one i i actually don't have the pocket pistol one personally yet i've i've handled them and touched them many times uh jacob's got one that i've used but i just haven't picked one up personally so maybe i'll get on that thanks for that recommendation well, it's time to wrap it up. I uh, hope this episode was uh, a good one for you all. I know it was a good one for, for me. Uh, it was actually great having this conversation with you, Matthew. And yeah. and uh, these, these are critical things we we're talking about today. Uh, a sure. reminder that today's episode was brought to you by Guardian Nation and the fact that you could save 15%. That's huge. There, By the way, USCCA does not have a discount available anywhere else. They don't do that. There's no coupon codes there's no special offers. I mean, they, they might have special offers for like, they might give you like a knife or something, you know, for joining at a certain time. There's no offers where you get a discount on the membership. We are literally the, we are so lucky and blessed to be the only place where you can get a USCCA membership discount. 
and it's a, a whopping 15%. I say whopping because, yeah, it'll, it, it can save you big, uh, particularly if you uh, have the highest tier of member, membership, the platinum level. So check it out, guardiannation.com, or if you're already a USCC member and you want to claim that discount, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash USCCA15. So I got to get out of here and go to an important meeting. <laughs> Thanks for bearing with me and for being part of this show. A reminder to all of you to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.